Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Um, each summer we do a summer teaching series, and this summer we're looking at the, the Old Testament book, 1 Samuel. And we're going to be looking at, there's 31 chapters, there's a lot of stuff in there, but we're going in 11 weeks, we're going to look at 11 major passages in 1 Samuel. So what you can do, if you're one of those, those cool people, and I know you think you are, you can actually read 1 Samuel, and, um, and we'll give you the scriptures and things like that, and you can kind of ask questions that hopefully I'll answer for you as we're digging through this series. And today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. If you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn it there. And um, today I want to talk to you about what do you do when it seems like God is distant from you? What do you do when it seems like God is distant from you? Um, This is Mother's Day and we love mothers and I know that Mothers probably don't need to be preached to. Some of you moms do, but um, the re- <laughs> I, you can determine who that is. Um, but for the most part, moms carry the family. They're, pre- they're praying, they're seeking God, they're dragging kids to church, and dads are usually, you know, avoiding church on Sundays, right? They have every, I need to mow the grass, you know, whatever. Um, I need to watch some sports. Um, so uh, the gift I'm going to give all the mothers today is I'm going to preach to your families and help them today. That's, that's my gift to you. I'm going to preach to your husbands and your families and help you out. And I do want to talk to you about what do you do when it seems like God is distant. I remember a time in my life when um, I was actually in ministry, another ministry endeavor. I was working 60 hours a week and planning a church. Um, and I worked for the government. I drove an hour one way to work. It was really a brutal time for me. I was just doing probably 12, 15 hours a day. I was just living an unhealthy life. I was living off McDonald's, which will kill you, um, right? And um, that's how the enemy takes, tries to t- try to take me out was McDonald's. And so I was really just pushing myself um, beyond the limits of what a human can do. And I'll never forget that I got to a place in my walk with God that I, I didn't feel God. I went in and led small groups. I went in and preached. I went in and did everything for church. And I just, it was almost like, you know, I, God, I know you're probably there somewhere, but I'm going to do my thing. And I don't really feel you. I'm not experiencing you. I feel like you're far from me. I mean, I sit in worship services. I'm like, I ain't feel nothing. I know you guys have never been through that before, um, but I experienced that. I felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling every time I prayed. It felt like nothing was happening in my life, and I felt like God was distant from me. And it was in those times, I'm going to be honest with you, I grew the most in the Lord. It's in those times I actually grew more when God felt distant than when I was in these awesome worship services and felt God because I learned to, to know God on a whole new level. I had never known God before. And if you're going to be honest today, some of you today are sitting here like, yep, I just, I lost that loving feeling. I just don't feel it like I used to for the Lord. I feel like we're, we're, we're separate. I feel like we're just a little distant. I feel like we're apart from each other. I just don't have the same feelings of worship. I just don't have the same, you know, um, things that I used to have. I don't really enjoy reading the Bible. I don't enjoy praying. And let me tell you, it's okay to be honest about that. When you read the Psalms, and this, it's good to read Psalms because you see that people who follow God can also feel like God's a long ways away. David felt that way. He was David. So you're in good company. There was times he felt like, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? 
And I know there's times in your life, and even maybe today on Mother's Day, if you were honest, you're like, yeah, I'm there with you, Pastor Kevin. I I feel the same way, or I felt this way. And I want to look at a passage today of a lady named Hannah who felt that way in the Bible. One of the beautiful things about reading Scripture and reading these historical accounts is you'll find people just like you in the Bible. These aren't like people who are got it all together and all put together. They're people who are struggling. And I want to show you today what a lady named Hannah went through with her husband Elkanah, some weird names, and, and also her, uh, her, her sister wife Penina. They, they did that and then um, God said, we're not doing that anymore. But um, back in those days and times, they could do that. Um, it's not wise to do that. It's not lawful to do that because I can't handle but one wife. Amen? amen? Husbands, you should not have said amen there. You should be like, no, man, I, my, my wife is great. Oh my gosh, I need 50 more of just this woman. She's so awesome. Um, verse 3, to start there in 1 Samuel 1. Each year, Elkanah, that was her husband, would travel to Shiloh to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. They were Jewish, so they went to the Jewish tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and to each of her children. So he's sacrificing the stuff, he's giving to them, they're doing the, the Jewish uh, traditional uh, ritualism. Verse 5 says, and, and though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion, watch this, because the Lord had given her no children. Now I want you to pay attention here and read the Bible slow. In that day and time, if you did not have children, the way that people viewed you is, is God didn't love you. That's not the truth. We all know that, right? We all know that. But in that day and time, that was the, that was the way they viewed God was blessing you. I think in some churches they view it as Rolex watches and Mercedes Benz, which is also kind of stupid. But, um, but Hannah was viewed as God not with her. Even her husband's like, hey man, here's just a little bit of the meat. Here's just a half of the cheeseburger. Because you ain't got any children. You're not bearing any children for me. And so Hannah automatically felt left out. She felt like God wasn't with her. She's like, God, what are you doing? I love you. I come here and worship you and nothing's happening. Even my husband only gives me a small little piece of, of hamburger or meat or whatever uh, to eat. And the rest of them get all they want. So look at verse 6. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. That's very important. That was the Lord's hand in the situation. You'll see why. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. In verse 8, things start shifting. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Is that not better than having ten sons? And the answer is, of course, no there. Uh, um, Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, watch this, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. I mean, can you picture that? She's crying bitterly. She's weeping. She's... You know, you start doing the, the breathing thing. I mean, she's, I mean, you know, that's, that's serious crying that happens. Especially your kids do it. You know it's serious. Um, and so she's praying, she's weeping, she's snotting at the altar. And verse 11 says, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, will you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son? Then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord. His hair will never be cut. He is the first man with a mother. 
mullet. Um, but this is the beautiful, some of you guys want to dedicate your children today. This is dedication right here. Where dedication isn't saying, hey, you know, we can come do a little ritual and do this thing for church. It's saying, I'm taking responsibility to raise our children in the admonition of the Lord. I'm going to keep their butts in church and I'm going to lead my family. And that's what Hannah did. When you do dedication today and Pastor Keith leads you in that, that's what you're saying um, there. So she dedicated him to the Lord. As, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips move, but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking, I guess because she was crying and just, you know, all, all that stuff going on. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. She said, oh no, sir. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been prayed out in great anguish and sorrow. Watch in verse 17. Eli said, in that case, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Verse 18 says, oh thank you, sir, she exclaimed. She went back and began to eat again and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel for she said, I asked the Lord for him. She was in a time, if you look at Hannah, where she felt distant from God. The very thing she wanted, the very prayer she was praying, nothing was happening. And again, I know you've never been there before, right? When you're praying prayers and nothing's happening. I've been there when you're praying, you're seeking God, you're asking him for something, and it seems like your prayers are hitting the ceiling. It seems like there's just no feeling in praying, there's no emotion in praying, and Hannah was there. But friends, let me tell you something. It's dangerous to stay there. Hannah didn't stay there. She pursued God. And let me tell you this. Here's today's big idea. If you want to sound smart today at Mother's Day lunch, because you're going to have Mother's Day lunches or dinners, they're going to say, well, what did the pastor preach on? You can say, here it is in one sentence. When God doesn't seem present, present yourself to God. When God doesn't seem present, present yourself to God. So if God feels distant from you, let me tell you, the best thing you can do is present yourself to the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord because he's with you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. I don't care how you feel about it. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when Jesus said, I'll be with you until the end of this age, he means that. And I don't care if you feel like God's not there. He's there with you. So when God doesn't feel present in your life, what do you do? Present yourself to God. That's what Hannah did. That's all she had to do. She says, God, I'm, I'm, I'm at my, my, my wit's end, end of my rope, and she gave herself to the Lord. She presented herself to the Lord. And guys, this is so important for us today because every one of us in here has felt this way before. And some of you today, if you'd be honest, you feel that way that today. I mean, you know, you, you thank God you got here and you came to church. It's awesome. But you feel like God's distant. You feel like you just don't, you don't have that going on anymore. Let me tell you, one of the reasons we feel that way, because our generation's built on feelings and emotions. You've heard the song, It's More Than a Feeling. It wasn't a Christian song, but it's, 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 good. it's good for your relationship with God. It's more than a feeling. Um, we are driven by emotions. We are driven by that part of us, which is our soul. We're driven by things that, that, that are emotional. So, so if worship doesn't move our emotions, we think God's not here. I've had people tell me, well, I went to this church and man, God wasn't there. I'm like, God said he's everywhere. I was God because you didn't feel him. So now you're the litmus test of where God is and God isn't. That's great. We make you the God radar. And you can go around and tell us where God's at everywhere. Right? I 
rather trust the Bible on that. See, we, we end up trusting our feelings instead of living by faith. See, living by faith is taking the, the Word of God at what it says. If He says, I'll never leave it for, or forsake you, what does that mean? He'll never leave or forsake you. I don't care if you feel Him, you don't feel Him, I don't care, I don't care what you thought, you can't change the Word of God. And see, when, when, I, when I first got saved, I grew up in this emotionally charged environment, and I felt like if I didn't feel God, He wasn't there. If I didn't cry and, oh, it wasn't like just feelings and God wasn't there. And it almost ruined my relationship with God because when I went through that really tough time in ministry and I, and I could not feel the Lord, I was exhausted, I was burned out, and I felt like God was a long ways away from me, I made a conscious decision in 2009, 2010 to present myself to God. And I said, God, I don't feel it. I, I, I really don't. I'm going to journal. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to go after you even though I don't feel a thing. Because you know people who are starving with the one thing they don't want to do? What is it? They don't want to eat. People who are starving, who are starvation, they don't want to eat. You'll find people who end up going to the end of their life. And sometimes they just don't want to eat, right? You're like, you just need to eat something. Like my mom, when she had cancer, she, did, she just didn't want to eat anything. So you got to eat something because she was starved. And many of us, the very person we need is the Lord. The very thing we need is the, the Word of God, the Bible. And the, the very thing we don't go after is what? Those things. Because we're, we're starving. Let me encourage you, live by faith. When you feel like God is distant, when you feel like God's not with you, when you're sitting in worship services and everybody feels like they're just seeking to God, you're like, man, I ain't, this is, I don't feel anything. That's one, that's, one, that's one thing I hate is like, man, you ought to be able to feel it. God's presence is here. Well, some people can, but there's people in our worship services who can't. And they feel like God's a million miles away and that only makes them feel worse. And so our natural inclinations, what? Just back off. You know what? I ain't feeling it, man. It just ain't there anymore. And we end up walking away from the Lord. I've seen that time and time again as a pastor. I've talked to people and they say, man, I just, you know. And, and they end up backing off God and backing off the purposes of God. Could you imagine if every one of us in here started presenting ourselves to God when he wasn't, didn't feel present to us? Could, could you imagine if we took that one step? What would happen in our life? Would it look radically different? If we're like, yeah, I don't really feel God today, but man, I'm going to pursue him. I don't really feel, I mean, I've just, I'm going through a tough time, but I'm going to give myself over to God and seek him in faith and not by feelings. Think about it, think about it, think about it. The only covenants that God recognizes in all of humanity, if you read the Bible, there's two covenants. One is the marriage between a husband and wife. The Bible says that, Jesus said it, that was Jesus, what he said. Um, and so they, God recognizes that covenant. Beautiful, right? The only other covenant in human relations that God recognizes is the relationship between you and him through Jesus Christ, according to the Bible. The only other one. It's a covenant, right? You're in covenant with God if you've received Jesus. You're in covenant with your spouse if you've been married. Let me ask you a question. Are there some days you just ain't feeling it in a marriage, right? Are there some days you're like, man, it's my good Lord, what did I do? Now don't, don't say yes. Do not say yes right here. You say no, that would never happen. We are, we have, our, our feelings are like a fire that's an inferno that's just sweeping across. That's it. But if you're, if you'll be honest, there's days even in a marriage that are better than others. There's days that are worse than others, right? There's some days it's great. Some days like, oh man, this is just, we got to an argument, just ain't feeling it. But are you any less married when you're not feeling it as though when you are feeling it? Are you? 
No, it's not like you have degrees of marriage. Like, you know, we're really married. Like, really, really married. Like, that's where it goes. No, we're not really married. We're kind of like, eh, yeah, we're not here. No, you're, 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 con- you're married. You're in covenant. Guys, with God, it's the same thing. I'm really close to God. You're as close to God today as you ever will be. It's your choice to take advantage of it. You may say, I'm 30,000 steps away from God. You're only ever one step away from the Lord. I don't care how far you walk, how far you go, you're only ever one step away from God. He's not leaving or forsaking you. He's not backing off from you. He is there and he's waiting for you to present yourself to him. And what I've been praying, guys, this week and yesterday as I prepped this message and went through it, is that some of you today would take the bold step of faith to pursue God even when he feels distant from you. To present yourself to the Lord even when you don't feel it. And I believe if you would do that, you would see a richer relationship with Jesus than you've ever had before. I believe you would see your relationship with God have boldness and confidence and a joy and a peace that you've never experienced if you would do that. And here's what I want to do this morning. How do you do this? How do you present yourself to God? I believe Hannah gives us some really good points here. How do we present ourselves to God when he, when he seems distant? And the first lesson we learn from Hannah is this. Pursue God when it seems the hardest. Write in your notes. Pursue God when it seems the hardest. And verse 10 says this. And she was in bitterness of soul. How would you describe bitterness of soul if you had to think about what does that mean to you? It's really not a description of what that really means, but have you ever been in bitterness of soul? I mean, that, that seems like a pretty deep wound. And she prayed to the Lord and she wept in anguish. Have you ever been in bitterness of soul and wept in anguish before? That's a deep place of hurt. She was at her lowest point that she could be. The lowest place in her life that she could be. And what did she do? She didn't back off and say, well, I can't feel God. Nothing ain't going right. I'm just done with this stuff. And there's people today that are not here, not in any church, not serving God because they didn't make the decision to pursue God when it was hardest. They backed off from God when it was hardest. And it doesn't get easier if you back off. She pursued the Lord when it was hardest. There's a story of a, a man and a woman who got married and when they were dating, they had one of those old, some of you guys remember the cars that had one seat in the front? The big one seat. You know, my, my grandparents had the big one seater, right? There's no like cup holders and stuff. It's just one big seat. And what happened was when they were dating, the man and woman would sit close together. He'd be driving. She'd sit close to him. She'd hold his, hold his hand, put her arm around him. They were just like, you know, really enjoying each other. And when they got married, they did it. And then about 20 years later, they're sitting on opposite sides of the car. You know, he's driving like he always been doing. She's sitting over there. And she says to him, she says, we're just not as close anymore. I used to sit next to you and hold your hand. I used to, you know, put my arm around you, kiss you on the cheek, and stop lights, of course, because it's dangerous when you're driving. Um, and she says, we just don't do that anymore. And the husband looks at the wife and says, sweetheart, I never moved. You did. And I've always been the same place I always have been. And you're welcome to slide right back over to me anytime you want to. That's how it is with the Lord. God hasn't moved. God hasn't changed. God hasn't left the building. God hasn't left your life. He is as close to you as you will ever be. But you've got to make the decision to say, I'm going to pursue God even when I feel like he's distant. I'm going to pursue God even when I feel like he's furthest away from me than he's ever been in my life. Here's the second, the second point here. How do you present your life to God when things are tough? The second one is this. Purpose your life around God's plan for you. Purpose 
purpose your life around God's plan for you. Purpose your life around God's plan for you. Verse 11 says, then she made a vow. Now, pause for a second there. I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're thinking, that's stupid. You're making rash promises to God. That's not what that was. I made a rash promise to God in 1998. Um, I was a stupid, stupid, stupid kid. Some of y'all have stupid, stupid, stupid kids you're praying for. Um, I was a stupid, stupid, stupid kid. Like three stupids. That's emphatic. And I got caught with drugs. And I got thrown in the back seat of a, of a cop car. And I cried and I prayed. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't go to church. I said, God. You know, people have those, those prayer voices. Oh, God. I heard my grandfather play out and I said, if thou be real, I'll never do this again if you'll get me out. And um, I made that backseat prayer to the cop car. You know, you guys have all had those shotgun prayers. Well, God, if you'll do it. And then, you know, the next day I, I was the same. I just went and did things like I'd always been doing. That's not a vow. Just, just so if you're thinking about what a vow is, a vow is when you make a commitment under no circumstances you will ever change. It's a commitment that you will never change. Hannah made a vow to the Lord. Hannah purposed her life around God's plan for her. See, many times what we won't do, we want God to follow us in our plans. We want God to bless our plans, don't we? And when you feel like God is a long ways away, when you feel far from God, isn't that the easiest time to kind of back off from, from the Lord? And say, you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing, and God, when you're ready, come get me. Have you ever done that before? I've done that. I'm going to do my own thing. When you're ready, God, come get me. But I am not going to dig into your, to your, your plans for my life. When I was in Florida and I was going through a really difficult time in ministry, I purposed my life around God's plan. I dug in deeper instead of backing off. Hannah made a vow to the Lord and said, God, if you give me this child, let me tell you what I'll do. He's yours. And we'll explain what that means a little later. But you got to purpose your life around God's plans for you. Don't ask God to bless your plans. Get involved in God's plans and he'll bless it. We'll say that one more time. Don't ask God to bless your plans. You get involved in God's plans and he'll bless it. Do you get that? You find out what God's doing and where God's working and where God's moving. And when you get in the middle of that, then God will begin to bless your life. It's you lining up with God's plans, not God lining up with your plans. Does that make sense? There's two ways to handle that thing there. So when you feel like God's distant... Purpose your life around God's plan for you and say, God, I want your plan. I want your will. I want your way. I want to do it how you want it to be done. And here's the third and final point. What do you do when God seems distant? What do you do when God seems distant? Present all you have to God. Present all you have to God. Look at verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. That's the only part I don't like is no razor because I... I think razors on heads are really great. <laughs> Present all you had to God. And here's what she, she wasn't sending him just like to Christian school when he's coming home in the evenings. It's not like we're going to send him to, you know, to, to go to church and he's going to come back. Here's what she was doing. I'm going to send him to the tabernacle, the Jewish tabernacle, and she will not get to raise her child. She can go visit him there. Isn't that crazy? The very thing that she prayed for, the very thing that she wanted was a, was a son, was a child. 
And she said, God, I will give him fully to you to grow up in the priesthood, and I won't get to raise him. See, she wasn't just making a deal with God. She wasn't making a backseat promise when the cops got her. She said, God, I'm giving everything to you. This is you. Everything I have is yours. When you feel like God is, is far from you, you feel like God is distant, the best thing you can do is lay it all on the table and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. Whatever you want from me, whatever you ask from me, whatever you'll have me do, I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. You take it. You tell me what to do. And when you do that, guys, you will find a purpose to your life you've never found before. When you do that in your life, you'll find that God is right there with you the whole time when you thought he was distant from you. When I went through that tough time in my life, and I was in, um, you know, in, in ministry, and even, even pastors go through tough times and dry spells, I told you that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because I was literally at a place where I had been taught that emotion drove the ship, when really it was relationship by faith. It's kind of the, let me explain it this way, the story of a Chinese farmer. He was on a, on a hillside, and, and, and there was a lot of Chinese farmers on the hillside, and they went through a really bad drought. And one Chinese farmer wasn't affected by the drought. His trees kept growing, his plants kept growing, his crops kept growing, the, the trees that he was selling was, kept growing, and the other farmers came and said, dude, how are you doing this? We're watering the mess out of ours. We always use the irrigation. We always irrigate. We always put a lot on it. He said, that's your problem. He said, you've expected so much to come from the outside. The roots never grew deep enough to get what was already there the whole time. That's water from the aquifer down there. They had been expecting more rain and their roots never grew deep. Do you know when you're going through a tough time, what happens to your life? Your roots grow deep. You have a deeper relationship with God that you've never had before. You learn to know God on levels you've never known God before. And listen, if you've never known God in pain, if you've never known God in hurt, if you've never known God in a Hannah experience, you will never be able to know, uh, to know God in the real way that he's meant to be known. It's when you've been hurt. It's when you've been betrayed. It's when you're at the, the bottom of, of, of the barrel, the end of your rope, that you begin to really know God. Your roots start growing down. And now, I'm going to tell you something, man. I love God on a way I've never loved him before. Not more. I don't love God more. I'm going to tell you something. I know that no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on around me, it doesn't change my relationship with the Lord. It's not affected by that. And I'm as close to God today as I was the first day I got saved. I'm as close to God today as the greatest revival I've ever been in. I'm as close to God today as I ever will be. I just have to take advantage of it. Friends, today, some of you come in here and you know that maybe you've gone through a time where God felt distant. Maybe you're today you've walked in here like, man, God feels distant from me right now. I've had a hard time in my relationship with the Lord. And I want to tell you one simple action point today that you leave with a Mother's Day. When God doesn't seem present, present yourself to God. Lay yourself before the Lord. Take a note from Hannah. The first Mother's Day dedication ever is in 1 Samuel. Lay yourself before the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. You may think you're 30,000 steps away from God, but you're only one step away from God. Let's pray. Father, today, we thank you that you said you would never leave or forsake us. We thank you that we can worship you with our emotions. We thank you for that, God, that we can sense your presence and feel you. But God, we also thank you that when we don't sense you, when we don't feel you, 
when we feel dry in a desert land, that Lord, you the whole time are right with us. Father, I ask today that if there's people in this place who feel like they need to renew their relationship with you, or for the first time ever start a relationship with you through Jesus, I pray you would touch their hearts. And today, churches, we're praying.